0: Hey y'all, it's Mandy. Before we talk about this week's episode, I want to say shout out to the patrons. Y'all are the reason I'm still doing this. I could do it alone. But it's so much better to run with people who share your vision, share your values, and see the importance of the work you're doing. So if you're interested in all the premium content, hearing about the questions and answers, or even being a part of our live patron chats, check out my Patreon. It's under at Mandy K Part, or you can search for Restorative Grief with Mandy K. Part and find it that way. Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy K. Part. You are listening to episode 56, titled, And Now, We Embrace the Emotions. Do you ever name difficult emotions or just try to will yourself into feeling differently? We often say we need to feel our feelings, but that's really not as helpful as we think. So this week, we're going to learn a little technique to name, embrace, and observe our emotions in a way that leads us out of frustration and into wholeness. Before we get on the road here, let's take a moment and name the differences between feelings or emotions because they're not necessarily interchangeable, and that is part of our confusion in the first place. Our feelings can be one component of an emotional experience, but feelings are experienced consciously and usually through our bodies. They don't necessarily relate to an emotional experience, and they are pretty continuous, giving us an understanding or a readout, so to speak, of our internal state of being. Emotions, on the other hand, are a specific conscious or subconscious response to an event, They can affect our thoughts and body responses, as well as influence our behaviors, especially when it comes to an emotion like fear or another uncomfortable emotion, causing our body to prepare for a response. They affect our nervous system before we can even rationalize what's happening. But most importantly, our emotions are automatic and unconscious, meaning... We don't choose an emotion just to experience it and then stir it up from deep inside. I wish that were the case, (laughs) but that's kind of where positive psychology proponents veer into far left field and wind up with toxic positivity. So now that we have a little understanding of the difference between feelings and emotions, hopefully you can see why feeling your feelings isn't a completely helpful statement. It has nothing to do with the emotional responses or the sources of those emotions. That phrase helps us identify how we're experiencing the emotion in our bodies, but it doesn't empower us to recognize the source and make a shift in the way we think about experience and move through our emotions. So let's return to that first question that I asked. How often do we name and embrace our emotions? And by name, I mean, how often do we check in and say, oh, I'm experiencing sadness. This feels like a weight in my chest and a racing heart. Maybe this could be fear. By naming what's going on for us, we begin to see the thing as separate from our identity. It's easy to say, I'm sad or I'm afraid, but that puts an awful lot of power into the hands of our emotions. And often this is the reason why we don't know where to begin to move through the emotional explosions we encounter in grief. Because our emotions are separate from who we are as individuals. Naming the emotion gives it separation, and from there, we can gain a little more distance to see the source, which may not be an obvious one, and to decide what we actually want to emote and feel going forward. So before we get to the second half of deciding what emotions and feelings we would prefer, we have to do a little embracing first. The next time you experience a strong emotion rising up, I want you to pause and name it. This morning, I experienced a flood of anger, followed almost immediately by regret. (laughs) In my situation, it would have been so easy to follow those emotions with feelings of inadequacy, failure, disappointment, and pain in my body and more. Instead, I gave myself a moment to close my eyes and place my hand on my chest. With a few measured breaths in and out, I visualized anger and regret standing in front of me, embodied. They didn't have recognizable faces because blaming my emotions on a source I can picture isn't helpful, nor is it the point. The point is that they were now separate from me and I could see them outside of me as individual experiences and not me embodied. When you have an emotional reaction to an external event, the internal process that occurs lasts only about 90 seconds and it's chemical. By taking, then, 90 seconds to breathe and visualize the emotions as separate from ourselves, we're gaining a lot of kindness toward our very human and uncontrollable experience of life. It's not all uncontrollable, but some parts are, and that's okay. The goal with this practice is not to gain control over our emotions, because doing so is probably a myth Because again, your body is going through an internal reaction to an external stimulus, just as it was designed to do. So please try not to spend those 90 seconds changing or manipulating your emotions. Allow them to exist. This is the embrace. I promise it's going to (laughs) feel like a hug that lasts a little too long, but stick with it. Maybe you incorporate a little soft movement to stay present and move through it, like tilting your neck back and forth or wiggling your toes. But keep that emotion visualized and embodied in front of you, not within you. When the emotion has permission to exist outside of me, observing the emotion becomes possible. I can step away from the overwhelm that floods my body, mind, heart, and spirit. I can see the embodied emotion in front of me and hopefully start to recognize that the big emotion I see. Is pretty reasonable considering my circumstances. Man, it's almost like those emotions aren't something I can blame on myself either, huh? You see, when we learn that emotions are available to be labeled and we make time to do so, we empower ourselves to experience freedom from a lot of toxic and shaming behaviors that we've integrated into our healing process. And we all pick up harmful advice along the way, myself included. So as you're listening to this, please be gentle with yourself. You're just trying to find healing. It makes sense that you find processes and ideas along the way that don't quite serve. So 90 seconds have passed, right? Check in with yourself. Do you feel differently? Do you want to experience a different emotional response for that moment or going forward? See, as grievers, we tend to ruminate on emotions and feelings as we look for healing. We can become enamored with our own emotional loops, allowing ourselves to get a little lost in the experience of our grief and forsaking the story of our loss. And side note, yes, our stories and our experiences of the story are different, but that's a conversation for another day. One way to decide if you are emoting and feeling safe in the experience of your story is to assess your core values. That's right. We're talking about core values again. (laughs) What matters to you? Core values matter to me. (laughs) When you have a big emotional response that you're not interested in repeating, one way to help yourself process through those emotional moments of observation is to check in with the values that you are holding in this season as crucial to your wholeness and healing process. See, this is how we assess and move forward. We've named our emotions. We've allowed them to exist without trying to change them. And then we have a chance to make some decisions. We can choose to ruminate, trying to cognitively solve a problem that has no solution, like the death of our loved ones. Or we can choose to explore our core values and the emotions they generate in our lives. See, my core value of connection allows me to recognize that when I'm activated in anger and regret, I am living outside of connection to myself and to others. And maybe I can't change the atmosphere, the situation I'm in, but I can allow my emotions 90 seconds of time or more, if I'm able, to simply exist and then shift. Remember, emotions are information. We can easily vilify them, pretending the idea of stiff upper lips is a real thing or we can name, embrace, and observe the emotions to regain our sense of peace and develop true emotional resilience. Thank you for listening to episode 56 of Restorative Grief. There are a few things to remember as you start to engage this practice of naming, embracing, and observing emotions. First of all, This is an easy thing to forget when you're at the height of a big emotional flood. Be kind to yourself. Maybe set an alarm and schedule a few minutes a day to assess your emotions when you're not feeling so overwhelmed by them. It's also really easy to get discouraged if you emote and forget this tool of support. But remember, this is a muscle you're building, so it will take time and it won't be perfect giving yourself permission to do it after the big emotions occur is also a part of building this muscle. Again, be kind to yourself. This all takes time. If this is your first time listening to restorative grief, welcome, welcome. Thank you for making space in your day to connect with me and to connect with yourself. I hope you feel encouraged and even cautiously optimistic about your own grief story and experience. So please make a little time to leave a review and subscribe so you won't miss any of our weekly episodes and interviews. And also consider sharing this episode with someone else who might find a little tool around emotional resilience meaningful. This resource is here for you, the podcast, the website, the book, all of it, and none of it is possible without listeners and supporters. So thank you again for sticking with me and trusting me to continue sharing this work with you and your circle. And one last thing, as always, please remember the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.